when our desires do not match up with our dreams, then we allow those demons of doubt, fear, and complacency to come in and cause us to, to quit. And so if we truly want to be successful and have the results we truly want to, then we have to be able to develop that desire that matches up with our dreams. Let's go! Welcome to Becoming an Epic Being with your host, Sukoon. As an advocate of conscious living, my mission is to help you young adults navigate through the confronting issues of your generation, question conventional beliefs, and choose authenticity, because that is where your true joy lies. Each week, I dive into raw conversations with inspiring guests who have undergone big shifts and are here to offer you the tools to do the same. So get ready to step up your game and jump on the ride as you begin the journey towards the next stage of your self-evolution. Welcome and welcome back to your listener. This episode will inspire you in ways you've never imagined and will hopefully break you out of your mental barriers of what you think you cannot do. Because my guest, Jeff Griffin, is someone who lives and breathes and shows possibility in every way. In his late teens, Jeff, or more casually known as Griff, had a traumatic accident that changed the course of his life and shattered his dreams of becoming a footballer. He was told that he will be paralyzed from his waist down for the rest of his life. But that did not stop him from doing extraordinary things from his wheelchair. Wait till you hear about his achievements now. Jeff is a silver medalist for the USA men's wheelchair basketball team. He also played in the 2004 Paralympic Games in Greece and is the number one men's wheelchair tennis player in the state of Utah. Oh, and he also holds two Guinness Book of World Records. This incredible man has spent the last two decades traveling the world, sharing his message and helping people overcome fear, doubt and complacency so they can take the steps forward to achieve their dreams. Jeff is also the author of his award-winning book called I'm Possible, and I can't wait for you to hear all that he has to share. So Griff, I'm super inspired by your message and just the way you show up in the world, because my entire podcast is built around bringing inspiring stories to the forefront of people who have undergone transformative shifts, much like yours, and can show others just what is possible, much like you do. So I can't wait to hear more about your backstory and what's led you to being so resilient as you've shown to be in your life. Absolutely. Um, the irony of it is, is I go around and I talk about how you are the solution to impossible. And, and we have some tools and skills and some things that will help you do that to become resilient, to become you know, that person that uh, climbs their Mount Everest, that is able to orchestrate, conduct the song that sings inside their soul. And, and the thing is, is, you know, there was a moment in my life, I shouldn't say a moment, you know, what leads up to what's happening right now, there's a lot yeah. of things that happened, but there was one specific moment that um, has been so powerful, and I believe has been the catalyst to help me pick up the pieces after I fell 40 feet from some scaffolding in between seasons. Um, I was a collegiate football player as receiver. My whole identity was wrapped up in my physicality of being able to run, oh. jump, catch. And uh, so in between seasons, there was a moment that uh, I fell 40 feet from some scaffolding and a ladder, 
broke my back and I'm next to this unpainted barn. And I'm like, now what? And, and I went into a tailspin. I entered into that sauna of self-pity. Um, but I believe the reason why I am so resilient today is what happened a couple of years before this moment of being on my back next to an unpainted barn where my, my back is broken, my dreams are shattered, and my identity is, has been completely taken away from me. And, um, and so, you know, I go around and tell people, don't quit. You know, you've got this. You're, you're so much more amazing than you think yeah. you are. And the mind is a powerful tool. Mm. But two years previous, I found myself in a situation where I, you know, the pushback was intense. The pressure was more than I thought I could handle. And, and I quit. I quit on my dreams. And, um, you know, my dream was to play football in college. My dream yeah. was to, to play on the big stage. And when I got there, you know, going from, you know, being a big fish in a small pond to mm -hmm. now being just a fish in, in a pond where everybody's fast, everybody's athletic, everybody has the, the ability to, to play that position. And um, routes I ran with Christmas before I was stumbling and falling. Um, passes I caught, I was dropping. Um, teammates that once were encouraging me were now discouraging me. And so this, really? yeah, so, cause it was such a competitive, uh, you know, situation. Yeah, environment. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, now what, how do, you know, how do you deal with this pressure? And, uh, and it was more than I thought I could handle. I wasn't prepared for it. I, I, I thought I'd just show up and, and, mm. and be able to keep on going and doing, you know, what I had done in high school. And, uh, it was more than I could ha handle, at least I thought I could, and so I quit. So wait, this happened in your early 20s, didn't it, this incident? Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I was 20, um, you know, I was 19 years old, 18 years old when, wow. you know, when I wow. was, when I went up to college, you know, my, my freshman year where I experienced the, the pushback, where I experienced, um, where I wasn't resilient. Where, where I did end up quitting. And to make matters worse, I you know, called my parents up and told them that I had been cut. In reality, I hadn't been cut. I had quit. I'd quit on my dreams. I'd quit on myself. And just thinking about it to this day, you know, it, you know I'm a little, a lot embarrassed. But, but no, I'm, I'm coming to grips with it. But, uh, you know, for a long, long time, I was really, really embarrassed. And it, and it just, it hit at my heart. Yeah. And it was... It was a tough thing to to deal, but I believe um, I learned a lesson of a lifetime at that sure. moment. When our desires do not match up with our dreams, then we allow those demons of doubt, fear, and complacency to come in and cause us to to quit, to quit on our dreams, to quit on our friends, to quit on our job, to quit on um, the destination that we want to go. And, um, and so if we truly want to be successful and have the results we truly want to, then we have to be able to develop that desire that matches up with our dreams. And we have to have, we have to understand what those dreams are. And, uh, and so I, I learned a lesson of a lifetime, which I believed helped me get through the experience that I, um, was going through at that very moment where I had just fallen 40 feet. My dreams had just shattered. I, ex I just experienced and tasted yeah, the exactly. of success in college. And now that's all been taken away. And so now I was able to go back and learn from an experience that was embarrassing, 
that was heartbreaking. And, um, and I was able to glean from that and become the, the resilient individual that I am today. You know, I am very optimistic. I'm very resilient. And, and that's evident in your energy, the way you speak and the resilience that you radiate. It is so clear that you've completely shifted in such a beautiful way. Yeah. And so, and so again, I just want people to listeners to, to understand that, you know, this was not something I was born with. This was something that, uh, that did not come easy for me at first, but I have learned that we can flip the switch and reframe things. We can flip the switch in an instant. We can, we can change in an instant mm -hmm. if we choose to. And, um, and so, you know, it's a learned skill mm -hmm. that people can develop. So resilience can essentially be learned. That's Absolutely. what it comes down to. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. At any time, at any age, no matter what you're going through, right? I believe so. You know, I don't know if you ever read the book, um, Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. You know, he talks about, you know, when we're in college and, and we're learning the, the two dichotomies of nurture versus nature, you know, which one does right. it come from the nurture or yeah. nature? And what's interesting is, you know, why does it have to be two? Why can't it be both? Or why can't it be something else? And, mm. um, and, and Daniel Coyle um, has hypothesized and come to the conclusion that it's neither nurture or nature. And he, he calls it myelin. It's that myelin sheath that goes around our neurons that, uh, you know, makes that happen. And, um, and so he says that, you know, up until about 60, 65, it slows down. So that's why I say, you know, any age, any time, I believe it, you can still do it later on in life. But they've they've identified that uh, 60, 65 is that uh, age where it slows down and, and the myelin sheath doesn't mm. uh, doesn't wrap as fast. And so if you want to really develop something, if you really want to develop a skill, if you really want to, um, you know, have those those tools and skills, you want to do it while you're in your youth, while you're younger, while you have the, uh, you know, the DNA so to do important. something. Exactly. So tell me then, what was the biggest mindset shift that enabled you to switch from, I want to quit to I am possible? Yeah, um, it was a question from a prisoner that set me free from my prison that changed everything. Wow. That Let's changed the trajectory, that changed, you know, my mindset that helped me flip that switch and, and see things different. Because after I got hurt, all I could do is think about all the things I couldn't do. I can't mm. run. I can't jump. I can't, um, you know, use my legs or my feet. Everything from the waist down was completely paralyzed. And, um, you know, the doctors gave me a life sentence of never walking, standing, or moving my legs again. And so my identity of being able to be in this athlete was just taken away. And as I mentioned before, I went into that dishonor of self-pity. And uh, it was a dark, deep place where you know, that syrupy, sticky sauna of self-pity was just, you know. Swallowing you, wasn't it? Swallowing me up. Absolutely. And so, you know, anybody who came by, I'm like, hey, come on in. Come on in. Come in into my party, the pity party. And you know how we always want to complain mm -hmm. to other people? And I've learned that the problem isn't the problem and people don't want to hear about your problem. <laughs> they really don't, but we all have problems and I don't want to diminish anyone else's problem because, you know, pain comes with a problem. You know, there's pain mm -hmm. that is associated with problems and all pain hurts. 
So I don't want to diminish anybody's problem, but I've learned that every problem under the sun has a solution or it has none. If there be one, hurry and find it. If there be none, never mind it. We spend too much time on the problems mm -hmm. and not enough time on the solutions. And at that moment in that sun of self-pity, I was focusing on all my problems. It took me half an hour to put my, my pants on. It took me a half an hour to get out of my bed. Um, you know, I was experiencing things I had never experienced before. And, and I had to have nurses come in and roll me over every two hours. I was, you know, I went from a independent individual to a dependent person mm -hmm. and that was killing me as well. And so here I am dealing with all these challenges and all these problems, or at least I thought they were problems. And, uh, until one day when, um, that prisoner set me free from my prison. You know, Sukun, they, they stopped feeding me in the hospital, at least in my bed. And I'd have to go to the cafeteria to, to eat. And so, you know, with the aid of two nurses and myself, it took us about half an hour to get in my wheelchair. I'm rolling down the sterile halls of the hospital, just, you know, tears rolling down my cheeks. And I'm having a pity party of a lifetime. And um, I get to the cafeteria and you know how you are in pain and you want to be left alone. I'm like, I wanted to be left alone, but I found that most of when we're, when we're in those situations, the best thing to do is to find some support and to find yeah. some help because it does us no good to wallow in that sticky yeah. son of self-pity. And so I'm rolling down the hall. I get to the cafeteria. I get my food. I go to the corner of the cafeteria because I want to be left alone. I put my tray down. I'm flavoring my food with my tears. And all of a sudden this tray just plops in front of me and I look up and I'm about to tell this guy to go take a hike and use some words that I'm not going to use on, the, on this, uh, um, podcast. Doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and I experienced that thing that you women experience. I know I'm generalizing here, but you know how girls glance at each other in two seconds and then they have a 20 minute conversation. I'm like, that happened to us. He looked at me, I looked at him and I was, you know, we had this little conversation. Like, I'm like, get out of here, buddy. And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. I'm going to change your life. And um, he asked the question that changed my life. And the question that he asked me was, right, hi, dude. I'm like, what? Right, hi, dude. This prisoner was lifting weights in prison, had an aneurysm in his brain while lifting weights, paralyzed his right side of his body, couldn't speak. So in his slurred speech, I identified and I figured out what he was asking me. And the question that he asked me was, why are you crying, dude? And that question wow. snapped me out of my pity, but snapped me out of the funk that I was in. It, it, uh, it, it slapped me across the face because all of a sudden I looked down and I started to notice things I had never noticed before. There was a gentleman down at the end of the table who was paralyzed from the neck down. He had a halo screwed to his skull. He couldn't move. He couldn't do anything. And he was dependent on everything. The person had to feed him. And I'm like, okay, he can't use his arms, but I can use my arms. I can hug people. I can transfer. I can do these things. And then next to him was an individual who was paralyzed from the neck down. He had some movement in his arm. And so they taped a fork to his fingers and he's trying to attempt to feed himself. And by the time the fork got to his mouth, the morsels had fallen off and he was barely getting the bite to eat. And, and I'm looking around and I'm like, 
Why am I complaining? Yeah. Why am I crying? Now, wow. I can feed myself. I can hug people. I can transfer. I can do all these things. And so that question from that prisoner set me free from my prisoner. Sorry, that question from that prisoner set me free from my prison. That is incredibly powerful. So do you reckon that you would have embodied this level of resilience had you not got that shift in perspective from someone else at the time? That's a good question. And those those what if questions are like, you know, uh, a dime a dozen and they're like a <laughs> hundred of them. You're like, what if, what if I just, you know, purchased a, a lift to, you know, lift myself up to the top of the barn, you know, because, mm. you know, I was cutting some corners I, or I thought I was doing much better than I had done in the in the past. But I'm like, what if I would have done this? What if I would have done this? You know, my mm. wife and I, you know, by the way, after my accident, I was getting a life sentence to never walk, never stand, never move my legs again. I was also told by the experts that I'd never have any kids. So like, it's the first function to go, last to come back. You're not going to have any. Some of the experts told me I'd never get married, not because of my wheelchair, but just because of who I am. And uh, my wife and I have been married for 26 years. We have four beautiful biological kids. And, um, oh, my God. Look at that. That's yeah, just and, incredible. And so she always says. Screw um, those doctors, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> How dare they say such things to their patients? <laughs> I know. And, and, but she always jokes that she's like, if you wouldn't have got hurt, I don't think we would have met. And, mm. and again, so these, these, what if, these, what if questions, um, yeah. would I have been as resilient as I am today? If that wouldn't have happened, I don't know. Uh, maybe it would have taken longer. Maybe it would have, uh, you know, taken me years instead of just weeks because Sakun, I, I have not been back to that sauna. I've had some low days. I've had some slow days. Um, I've had some difficult days, but I haven't had those dark, deep, depressing days that I experienced, um, in the hospital up until that, uh, that moment where that prisoner asked the question that set me free from my prison. Wow. That is amazing. So when people say to practice gratitude, when you're going through a rough patch or a low phase in your life, is this what they're talking about? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, I was not grateful for my situation. I was not grateful for anything at the time. And it was because I, my, my mind was focused on the things that I couldn't do. And so gratitude, I believe, is one of those tools that helps us focus on what we can do instead of what we can't do. Wow. I've never heard of it like that. So it basically is the biggest ally of resilience. I really believe so. Absolutely. You know, you know, if, you know, we can focus on what we can't do or we can focus on what we can do. And, and gratitude is one of those things where I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to focus on what I can do. Cause you know, ever since that moment of, you know, having, having that question asked to me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on what I can do. And the doctor told me I'd never walk again, never stand again. And I'm like, okay, that's his opinion. That's his thing. I'm also very curious about the distinction you make between the careful and the casual way. Would you want to share more about what that is exactly? Yeah, absolutely. The careful way and the casual way goes back to, you know, we were talking about gratitude and, uh, you know, gratitude um, is, is, is the number one thing that changes our attitude. Mm-hmm. Gratitude is what is the number one thing that changes our attitude. And, and what's interesting is a gratitude of attitude helps us with our altitude. 
if that makes sense. It helps us see things different. It helps us see things at a different uh, um, angle and a different perspective. And mm. what's interesting is, you know, with all the flying that you and I do, <laughs> the, mach the machine in the airplane that gets the plane from point A to point B is called the attitude meter. And if a plane is, you know, just off one degree, if a plane is going from New York to LA and it's yeah. actually going from LA to New York and it's just off one degree, it's going to end up in Boston, Massachusetts or Washington, DC. Mm -hmm. Not a big deal. You know, one yeah. degree. It is a big deal in, if you want to go to New York. Yeah. The and position so, is so key. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, number one, we got to know what our destination is. We got to know what our dreams are. Most people don't take the time to do that. And so going back to this, there's a casual way and a careful way. Most of us are just kind of like just going out there and just doing whatever. And, 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 and then we end up where we're at and we're like, Ooh, I like this. And that's a way to do it. But if you, if you want to, that's the casual way, but if you want to do a, ca a careful way, if you want to live a life by design, then you're going to have to, you know, understand what's the process, what's, what are the steps necessary in order for me to live this life by design mm -hmm. and uh, instead of default. And, and so that's the careful way. And so again, you got to work on your, your, your attitude and, and, and gratitude is that, uh, that number one key to help you do mm -hmm. that. But then mm -hmm. you also know, you also have to know your destination. You got to know your destination. And I call those dreams, you know, you mm -hmm. got to know what you want because most and where of you're going. Don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And where you're going, because most of us don't know what we want, but the majority of us know what we don't want. And you've learned and you know that where our focus goes, our energy flows. And so whatever we mm -hmm. focus on is what we get. And so again, it's just going back to understanding this process. We've got to understand the steps in order to get there. And, and so, you know, going back to this idea of there's a casual way and a careful way, you know, the doctors told me I'd never walk, never stand, never move my legs again. And I'm like, okay, that's their opinion. I'm like, mm -hmm. my opinion is I'm going to run and not be weary. I'm going to walk and not faint. I'm going to have a full recovery in a reasonable amount of time because never is unreasonable. And if it takes me 60 years, then that's great. That's, that, that, was, that was better than never. If it's 20 mm. years, that was better than never. Now, it's, be, it's been beyond 20 years. It's, it's, it's coming on 30 years since I've been in, in a chair. I've been in a chair longer than I haven't. Um, but today, I can get up out of my chair. I can get up and walk across the stage, or as I like to say, walk with swagger. Mm. And... Um, and in fact, in 2019, I took a team of 20 people and we climbed the third highest mountain in Utah, 9,711 feet. And I took every Gosh. step to the top. And, um, and so I've learned some things mentally that, uh, that I've garnered and gained from this physical journey that I've been on trying to regain my physical, um, movement and, uh, and being able to lift my legs, extend them, take those steps. And, and I've learned a lot of things and how the mental, uh, the mental muscle is very, very similar to the physical muscle. And so how, how do we take those steps mentally to achieve the results and to achieve the dreams and desires that uh, are inside our soul? 
I mean, the biggest thing I'm extracting in all of what you're saying is that you can very easily manipulate your mind to believe in something without the evidence you have currently. And that's where the trick is, right? You can trick your mind to something that can be possible without necessarily having the evidence at that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And, and that's tough. Some of the that is, that's not that, easy. It is. It the is mind a- loves proof every single day. What have you done right now? Where's the evidence? Give me evidence. Yes. And you don't have that right now. So what are you, yeah. what are you benching on? What are you gambling on? Right. Absolutely. 100%. And so, you, you know, the doctors are like, Hey, I'm the expert. I've, I've done several of these <laughs> surgeries. I've been inside your body. I, I, and, you know, there's a four inch plate. He gave me a picture and he's like, Griff, you know, I, you know, I told him, I told him my dream of, Hey, I'm going to walk again. And he just laughed at me. He's like, Griff, don't get your hopes up. I hear that walk and you're never going to move your legs or, or stand again. And so, you know, I told the therapist, my, my, my dream and my desire. And she's like, let's go. So we rolled down to the therapy room. She put some, you know, some braces on my legs. See, my friends came to the hospital and like, run, Forrest, run. And I'm like, you guys better run. Oh, my God. And, uh, wow. and so it took me five minutes to get in the standing position with the lack of my strength and, and, and her aid. And when I let go of the parallel bars, I fell over. But I went from one second to two seconds to 10 seconds to 30 seconds. And I told the doctor the improvement. I'm like, doc, I'm improving. I'm going to get there. I'm going to be able to move again. He's like, he pointed his finger at my chest. He's like, don't ever get your hopes up. It's impossible. I just can't get over how people would say that out loud to you. Like, to me, that is so bizarre. I mean, what is wrong with some of these doctors, honestly? Like, how are they even doing their jobs? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, people are like, well, have you been back to the doctor and showed them that you can take some steps and that you can walk? And I'm like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a no-win situation in my mind as I played it out. You know, I show up, yeah. I'm like, hey, doc, you told me I can never walk. I can walk. He's like, I told you that so I could give you the resilience and the fuel to, you know, to get out there and take those steps. And I'm like, whatever. But what's interesting, um, you know, we started with this conversation with resilience. Yeah. And I've come to discover that there's four sources of resilience um, that we can tap into that can help fuel us, you know, to keep going and do things. And and one of those four sources is, um, I call it the just don't quit. Uh-huh. resilience, this attitude of, you know what, you tell me that I can't, I'll show you that I can type of attitude. The disre- You take the disrespect, you take the disses, you take the, you know, you can't do this and you take it as fuel and you're like, okay, I'm going to show you that I can. Tell me that I can't mm. and I'll show you that I can. You know, that's the just don't quit <laughs> kind of street resilience that, uh, you know, Very that people cool. tap into. But that's only one of four that we can tap into and, and, and that we can do. And so most of us go to what is comfortable and what we're familiar with Mm. and we and we you know we ignore the other three or maybe we have two out of the four and and so if we understand what um sources of resilience are out there and how to develop them similar to you know you know as i mentioned before we can develop resilience it's just a matter of understanding what resilience is and and then how to tap into them and and build it up when times are good because what are the other three? Oh, you got to go buy my book in order to find out what oh, the other three are. Look at that. <laughs> okay, oh, fair I, enough. I, I am totally joking. Absolutely, <laughs> we'll give you those other three. Oh, okay. So, you know. <laughs> Love the humor. You're so cheeky. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to buy them. Because I don't think I can ship them overseas. 
okay. Yeah. But um, you can get you can get the online courses and whatnot if you really want to go deep dive into it. Amazing. Um, and by the way, that's like this, the tenth step that that, mm-hmm. we, that we go over. Actually, it's the ninth mm-hmm. step. But the the four sources is relational. Okay. We do it because other people depend on us or we depend on them. The relational right. is really, really high in most people. And, and, yeah. a, and uh, there's, a, there's a beautiful story, the Hoyt, Team Hoyt, where this father's son, this, this father, you know, drags his son in these Ironman, two and a half miles. He swims with them in, in the back <clears throat> and um, he pushes them for 26 point two miles, whatever a marathon is. And then he rides a bike for 112 miles, whatever that uh, Ironman is. And um, what's interesting is he says that I don't do this for me. I do this for my son. My son drives me. My son gives me the energy. My son gives me the motivation. And so, you know, he talks about this relational resilience that we have in, that we depend on other people or other people depend on us. And that's a very, very powerful source of resilience. The other one, as I mentioned, is the just don't quit source, you know, the street resilience, the, you know, the I can't attitude resilience where, you know, we we take the you can't do this, Sakun, you can't do this, you can't do that. And you're like, Mm-mm, I'm going to use that as fuel Proof. to show yeah. you that I can't. Yeah. yeah. And then the third one is I call it the possibility um, principle. The possibility resilience, which is the resources that are out there. You know, you got your, you've got your known resources. You've got, uh, you know, you, you've got your intellectual resources. You've got your outside resources. And then you've got the potential resources that we haven't even tapped into yet. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to, you know, that, uh, that question that the prisoner asked me, like, hey, why are you crying, dude? And all of a sudden it just snapped me out of my pity party. I'm like, holy crap, I've been ignoring all these things around me that could be helping me in yeah. this journey that could be helping me in, in doing more. And so, you know, that's, I call that the P squared uh, mindset or the P squared resilience. And then the fourth one of course is, you know, you're just in rock bottom, rock bottom resilience. You're like, you know what this, I mean, I'm in the worst place in the world. I am in my sauna of self pity. I am in this dark, deep, mm-hmm. you know, um, sticky son of self-pity and you use that as motivation to say you know what no no more i'm not going to be here yeah. i'm not going to be here and so you take that it, you take your lows and you take you know the the problems and challenges in your life mm-hmm. and you use them to to motivate you because here's what i've learned rock bottom always has another level there are several more levels deeper than rock bottom. And so you don't want to wait. You know, I always hear people say, yeah, we'll just have to wait till they hit rock bottom. They are at rock bottom. They are at their rock bottom. There are, there are other levels of rock bottom. And so, you know, just use, use, uh, use some of those sources to help um, get, your, get yourself out of that hole, get yourself out of um, the situation that you're in and, and turn your crap into a crop, take your mess and use it as your message. message yeah. And, uh, and you know, all those things that, that you heard of. And so those are the four sources of resilience. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. I just want to draw back to what you mentioned earlier and have you re-clarify and summarize the difference between the careful and the casual way. Cause 
I don't think I quite got it. Like, what was a careful way again? So the, the, the careful way can be found in a simple little process. Simple little process uh, that I call desire, dream, do. It's the three Ds. It's, it's the mm. three Ds sit at the foundation of all of our challenges, right. of all our problems. And it gives us, you know, it gives us the foundation that's going to help us find the solutions to our problems. Because you have a problem, I have a problem. Mm. You know, we all have problems. The problem isn't the problem. It's how we look at those problems, how we approach those problems, how we deal with those problems. Because we all have problems. Because, yeah. you know, I always ask people, I'm like, you know, if you had to eliminate one of those three, which one would you eliminate? I don't know. Dream, desire, do. All are so important. And, and, and so I'm like, okay, well, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And so I'm like, so, so I associate them with like major, major aspects of our body, like the brain, the heart and the feet. Yeah. Which one yeah. would you eliminate if you had to? Neither. I don't know. You're like, none of them. I'm not going to eliminate any of them. Um, but really the logical answer is I will eliminate my feet. And me sitting in a wheelchair, okay. people are like, well, yeah, this, you're leading the witness. You're, you're leading us to a place where, you know, you know, we were forced to say feet. But however, there's some people like, yeah, I would eliminate my heart. I'm like, mm, really? You'd eliminate I your would. heart. How are you going to You're function dead. without your heart? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we can live and I'm living proof that you can have a fulfilled life mm. without being able to use your feet. But then I go back to, okay, desire, dream, do, which one would you eliminate? And, and I love your answer. You're like, none of them. But some people are like, well, I would eliminate the do. Because you got to have a desire, you got to have a dream, and just the do will just come. And I'm like, really? Because when I go and talk on campuses, the the students that's that's what they eliminate all the time is I don't have to do anything because I've been told that it, all I have to do is manifest and it will appear. No, which, <laughs> is, which is a fallacy. You know, they they've taken <laughs> they've taken this this idea of um, what's that thing that was the secret the secret and. Um, <laughs> Um, there's a, there's an actual term that, uh, that they use there in the, in the secret, but, uh, it's just basically meaning like, you know, all I got to do is think about it and I'll, and I'll manifest. Visualize. Yeah, yeah. I create. Yeah. And, and that is an important aspect of our results in the process. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're not doing anything, you're not going to get the results. I don't yeah. care who you are. And, um, and so we talk about, all right, we dissect what a desire is. We take a look at the anatomy of a dream. And then we have some tools and skills for, for people to do in order to get the results that mm. they want. And so that's so the dream, the, desire, do, or desire, dream, do comes from the, the careful way? The careful way. The, the casual careful. way is you just show up and you just go out there and you just do. And you just go out there and, and you're just going from one place to the next place to the next place. And some people like that. They're like, hey, I'm just going out there and I'm just, I'm just you know living life. I'm, I'm following my heart. And so they're going everywhere. And for a, for a moment, for a period of time, that is a, um, a very fun thing to do. But then you get lost in the process, but you get lost in the process and, and you don't go where you want to go again. It's going back to, do you want to live a life by design yeah. or by default? You know, do you want to just go along with the waves? And some people are like, yeah, absolutely. That's all I want to do. I just want to go here. I want to yeah. go there and, and I'm loving life and that's okay for, for certain people. Um, but, yeah. but again, if for those people who, who want to live a life, the careful way, 
they're going to yeah. live a life by design and they're going to create the life that they desire. And I think it's, um, uh, the, who's, who's the, uh, author of the master of my ship. I'm not sure. James, James something. Anyways, uh, you know, he, he talks about being the master of, uh, you know, being the master of our ship, being able yeah. to take that ship where we want to go instead of having the sea or the ocean just blindly drift us, um, yeah. in that, uh, so, in that big open ocean. Yeah. So from what I'm gathering from this conversation, the careful way is about functioning with intentionality. Absolutely. Functioning yeah. with a conscious yeah. intention. And, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, there's, you know, conscience. And what's interesting is, is, you know, if George Bernard Shaw is accurate, he says that 2% of the population think, 3% mm. of the population think they think, and 95% of the population would rather die than think. And yeah. so I, you know, I've witnessed that these last three years where, you know, majority of the world has just been going along and have just been blindly following you know, government leaders, you know, doctors and, and, um, and we just outsource our power to the entire system around us, everything else, but our own selves. Absolutely. In a way. Absolutely. And you are the solution to impossible. You have the ability to achieve your dreams and desires. You have the tools and skills to help you get to where you want to go. But the problem is, is most of us don't think most of us don't 95% don't think 3% think they think. And so that leaves us with 2%. And so are you are we part of the 2%? And, uh, and again, it's okay, if, if you want, if you want to live a life over here, and you just want to to casually go through life and just kind of float around. That's, that's great. That's fine. There's a lot yeah. of people who are like, yes, absolutely. That is exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And there's others who are like, no, this is what I want to do. This is what I yeah. want to be. This is what I want to have. <laughs> and, uh, and in order for that to happen, we've got to take those steps that are going to lead us to yeah. the destination that we want to go. Beautiful. There's something I've heard you say in your talks that, gosh, really resonates and hits home, which is I'm maybe paralyzed physically, but half the people in the world are paralyzed by the demons of fear and doubt. I'm like, whoa, that's so incredibly true. And what, in your view, are the steps or the stages to overcome and fight the demons of fear and doubt that holds people back from living a life of their true potential? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. And so a lot of times in order to find the answers, you know, we, we have to look at um, what they're not, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. And so, you know, I always ask the question, I'm like, so in order to understand what success is, you know, because we, we all want results. And, and we, a lot mm -hmm. of times we've defined the results with success. And, and so, you know, we could spend a whole, we could spend a whole hour talking about what does success look like? And, and so again, it's like going back to, okay, well, what is success? And so a lot of times, you know, it's, it's hard to define what success is. And so the easy way to define what success is what it's not. So then ask people, okay, what's, what is success not? And we what's the opposite of success. And people will always tell me failure, mm -hmm. so like failure is the opposite of success. And I'm like, okay, well, is it really? Because I've never met anybody who has not failed their way to Without success. Without success, yeah, 
you know, Thomas Edison, it depends on which source you used. Some people are like a thousand times that he failed before he found the light bulb. And then Napoleon mm -hmm. Hill says it's 10,000 times before, you know, he, 10,000 times he failed before he discovered and made the light bulb work. And, and so again, I've never met anyone who hasn't failed their way to success. And so first of all, we have to give ourselves grace. We have to give ourselves a little bit of mercy. We have to give ourselves a little bit of love when we're learning something new or when we're trying to obtain the, the type of success we desire. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, successful people all have failed, have all had sure. setbacks, all have challenges. And so, you know, give yourself permission to fail because failures at first are triumphs that last as long as you just don't quit. And that's what I think is the opposite of success is to don't quit, to not even try. So that going back to the, you know, the first thing at the very, very beginning is like, I quit me. I quit on my dream. I quit on myself. I, you know, I, I didn't even try. And so I want people to understand that I've experienced these heartaches. I've experienced these very, very things that we're talking about. I experienced those demons of doubt, fear, and complacency at times, but now I have the steps and the tools to slay them to defend against them, to, you know, to go around them and, or, you know, to ignore them. And, and so, you know, going back to what you and I mentioned earlier, one of the, one of the greatest things to help us overcome fear, doubt, and complacency is to understand the opposite. What's, what are they not? Right. Mm -hmm. And so you look at, you look at, you look at, uh, fear, you know, what's the opposite of fear? Some people have, you know, associated the opposite of fear with courage. Faith. I believe, okay. I believe the opposite of, of fear is courage. Absolutely. Yeah. The opposite of, of fear is courage. And so you're like, okay, well, I've got to work on my courage. I've got to work on facing my fears. I've got to work on, you know, running into the fight. I've got to, I've got to work on this courage. I've got to be courageous. And so, okay, well, let's take a look at the opposite of Doubt. Um, doubt. And I believe the opposite of doubt. Confidence. Confidence. Absolutely. And I associate it with faith. I think faith is confidence. I think confidence is, is having the faith to do things and trusting the process and understanding the desire because confidence comes with working on our desire and, and seeing the results. Cause the more, the more we work on our desires, the more, our results are going to change. And once we see those two things happening, it comes together and our confidence just increases. And so faith for me is that tool to help us overcome the doubt. And so, you know, and so in fact, I have a battle cry bracelet. I have two of them here. Um, endless possibilities is the white one. And the pink one is I am possible. I have a blue one that says, just don't quit. Capital D O capital I T. And I have a black one that says, courage do, faith have. Courage do, faith have. And so Super. how do we, how do we you know, work on the courage and the, uh, the faith? Well, we have to work on our mindset. We have to work on mm -hmm. that desire. We have to understand what a desire is. And a desire is simply a thought. And so the thoughts we put inside our conscious and our, you know, we'll go down to our subconscious minds. And so... You know, as Zig Ziglar said, you know, we've got to get rid of that stinking thinking. Or as I like to say, the solution to pollution is dilution. You've got to just put in all the good stuff that you want to come out. I love out. that.
Yeah, that's super. That's super cool. And this is what's personally helped you to overcome and yeah, just overcome fear and doubt in your own life. Absolutely. In fact, I don't teach anything that I don't practice mm. or, I, or I don't do myself um, because uh, anyway, there's, there, there's no power. There's no power in preaching something that you've never practiced or have yeah. done before. And, um, you know, and these are, these are the flecks of gold that I discovered as I sh sifted through my broken back and shattered dreams. I discovered these flecks of gold. I'm like, how did I get here? How did I become a collegiate football player? How did I become the youngest um, trust manager at the bank? How did I become a father? How did I get married? And a winner of the Guinness Book of World Records. What's that for? Book of World Records, right? Two-time Guinness World Record holder. And, and how did I get to the Olympics in Athens, Greece? And how did I become a silver medalist, a, a bronze medalist? And how did I become a four-time all-star MVP? And, and the list goes on. And, you know, not to brag, I just share these things to let you know that these things work for myself, but better yet, they work for other people. And I, I had the opportunity to, for 17 years to work with some of the harshest critics called teenagers. And we, we were able to take these gold nuggets or actually these flecks of gold yeah. and um, define them, refine them. And, and then forge them into gold nuggets that uh, people can follow and finish with exactness. That's the careful way is to, is to follow these tried and true gold nuggets, these tried and true steps that will lead you to the results and the success that you truly desire. And, and it just happens at every level. It happens with the elementary kids. It happens with the middle school kids. It happens with the high school kids. And mm -hmm. you know, I, I joke that I learned this on, uh, I practiced and developed this on critics called teenagers, but going out into the executive world, I've learned that adults are even harsher critics than teenagers. Yeah, off themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 super. Jeff, what does an epic being mean to you? Epic being? I, that's a great question. What does an epic being mean to me? Um, for beginners, I believe that every great man and woman of history is a man of service. And, um, and so I believe an epic being begins with somebody who's willing to serve and give mm. a hand up instead of a hand out. You know, we don't, you know, you've heard the adage, give a man, a, you know, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And those men and women who go out there and serve are feeding men and women and teaching them um, how to come out of the shadows of society. And, and so for me, I believe to begin with, I, I believe an epic being is somebody who is willing to serve, to serve their fellow, fellow beings. And so, you know, for me, when I, I call it a blueprint. Every mm -hmm. year I update my blueprints where I get crystal clear on what I want to do for 2023. I have some long-term dreams and desires. I have some other things as well. I've got some vision and, and mission statements for my life in, in yeah. five different areas. And, and so one of the things that I look at and I truly desire is, is that I want my friends and family to remember me as a man who lifted their spirits, lightened their loads and loved them. Wow. And so and you sure do, me, don't you? That is, is what an epic being means to me.
That's so beautiful. I've never heard the answer before. And it's, it's so closely ties to one of the reasons why we're here on this planet to contribute and to serve others, because that's what ultimately brings our lives fulfillment, right? Because we don't realize it's enough, but like it's so closely related. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And where would you like people to find you? Well, if you're listening to us now and you're still with us, yes. I love you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thanks for spending some time to to be here. And I love Sakun. Her light just shines and it's just <sighs> radiant. And I'm honored to spend a few minutes with her. Oh. It's, you know, it's, it's nice. You know, it's easy to look good on the shoulders of giants. And Sakun, <laughs> you are one of those giants. And so thank you for allowing me to be here. Right with back you. at you. And by the way, your smile, your smile is just magnetic and it's just beautiful. And, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I, okay, I back to you. Where can people find you, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, and, and I do want to share this though, because yeah. um, a smile is a crooked line that sets things straight. Mm. And so thank you for setting things straight with that beautiful smile of yours. But if people want to, to, to learn more <laughs> about me and want to, you know, um, reach out to me, if you go to my website, that's the easiest way, griffinmotivation.com, G-R-I-F-F-I-N, motivation. It's, it's like the mythical beast, half eagle, half lion. Um, <laughs> my wife reminds me that I'm neither a beast nor mythical. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, don't, don't take that from me. Don't take that from me. But um, so you can go to griffinmotivation.com. You can go to my Instagram account. You can go to LinkedIn. You can do whatever. You can, uh, you can go and shop um, and get my books if you want to. We have them on Audible. You can go to Amazon if you want to. Amazing. And, um, you know, if you just want to skip all that and go to my Instagram, just go to at Jeff Griffin 10. And I will see you on the other side and we can become friends and Sakun, you're not going to get rid of me now. You know, I'm like, now that we're friends, I'm like, you can't get rid of me. I don't want to, my friend. I don't want to get rid of you. But anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for being here and just being such an epic embodiment of inspiration and courage and resilience and just showing the world what is possible. Thank you. And like I said, I appreciate this opportunity to, to shine a little light on what you are doing. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks so much. And that's the wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this conversation resonated, help spread the value by sharing with a friend and feel free to share your thoughts and comments on Instagram at epic.beings. Also, to stay up to date with weekly episodes, you may want to hit subscribe. Until next time, stay epic.